Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. United States under 23 having qualified for the last two Olympics. They have a game against Mexico on Wednesday. We have Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce as we discuss and also the Women's Champions League quarterfinals. Some real great games. We'll be previewing that and much more. Gago Lasso begins right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kigo Lasso and the USMNT under 23. Take control of this pod. And of course, we need the best and we have the best. Jimmy Conrad, what's up, man? What's up? I'm excited to talk about our youngsters. I don't know how young they are, really, but they're going to dominate in the future. They're dominating now, and I'm excited to be here for it. Love it. And making his first appearance around this time, right? Because usually we have to like wake him up on a Sunday afternoon, but he's already going. Uh, Heath Pierce, what's up, man? How's it going? I, I don't know what young is in, in uh, football anymore, but uh, I'm excited to talk about these, uh, these, these matches. Well, compared to all three of us, uh, they're very young. So uh, we can definitely say that. All right, let's set the scene, everybody. The CONCACAF Olympic qualifiers uh, in the men's section. Uh, the USMNT under 23, uh, they're 2-0. They're facing Mexico under 23, who are also 2-0, leading the group uh, by goal difference. Uh, just to note, everybody, basically, uh, they're in uh, the semifinals already. So this is about seeding, but that is important because the winner of the semifinals gets that spot in the Olympics. But this is big, not just because of seeding, but also Mexico, the biggest rival. Um, so, Jimmy, let's begin with you. I just want your thoughts here. The U.S., 2-0, uh, but definitely in the first half of both games, they haven't been that exciting. I mean, I know they're a work in progress, Jason Kreis, et cetera, but what are your thoughts on the USMNT under 23 as they get ready for this game? I don't really know where to start. Uh, I wish you would went to a Heath first, to be honest. I, 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 <laughs> come to I me, come the, to me. I'm ready. No, 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 I got it. Okay, okay, I'll go, go, go. Now the challenge has been thrown. The gauntlet's <laughs> been thrown. When I look at the results overall, let's just start there. Against Costa Rica, I thought 1-0 for us to win that was very flattering. We got peppered. Our, our goalkeeper, uh, David Ochoa, was excellent. He made so many big saves. I thought we looked nervous in that particular game, especially in the first half, to your point, Luis. And I thought we settled in once we scored and had a little bit more control. That said, I thought a draw would have been a fair result in that one. The second game, I expect us to beat Dominican Republic. This is the first time they've ever been in this tournament before. This is the farthest they've ever gone with their youth national team. We should beat those guys 4-0. So that what's, that's what gives me most comfort. But the fact that we had to score four in the second half when you could see Dominican Republic kind of lay down a little bit, and we had to insert some subs to really bring some life into the midfield, Hassani Dotson in particular, that gives me a little bit of pause. And I'm very excited to see how our guys play Costa Rica gave us a challenge, but against Mexico. That said, Jesus Ferrer is probably not going to play. He got a yellow card. If he gets one more, he'd have to sit out the semi. Can't risk that because he scored the winner against Costa Rica, one of our most talented players for sure. And then in the back, Justin Glad also has a yellow. He probably won't play against Mexico either, which is a shame because those are two of our better players, and I'd like to see them 
play against Mexico who have their own issues. They have Steven Cordova. Thankfully, who he has four goals. He leads the whole tournament in goals. He has a yellow as well. So I don't think he's going to play, but it would be nice to play Mexico with everything riding on it. That said, I just want us to qualify for the Olympics. We haven't done it in the last two and it's time we have the talent to do it. Yeah, that's a really good point. You might see a rotational system from both, but Mexico is ridiculous. Uriel Antuna from Chivas, Roberto Alvarado from Cruz Azul, Vega from Chivas, Eric Aguirre, who already, Aguirre already played for the senior team. Uh, and they're managed by Jimmy Lozano, who played for Mexico for seven years as well. So they're, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with, but they will be rotated, of course. But Heath, obviously the most important thing is getting it done in the semifinals, which is this Sunday. And But you know what? The seeding's important because it's either Honduras or Canada. And when I'm looking at their performances so far, uh, Honduras is actually doing much better than Canada. They tied, Canada tied with Haiti, Honduras uh, routed Haiti. So, but it, the semifinals is important. E either way, the seeding is key for the USMNT and the 23. Yeah, seeding's really important. Uh, Honduras also tied El Salvador. So I, I just think regardless, this is, this is a matchup against Mexico. And if you go back, what I, what I think is the most important about this Mexico game is these guys playing for an opportunity to actually go into the Olympics, right? If you were to look at what our best, if you were to put our best U23 team in, it is basically the men's national team that is in, in camp right now. Sergeant Pulisic, uh, Musa, McKenzie, Adams, or McKinney, uh, Adams, Robinson, Richards, McKenzie, Dest, all these guys are Olympic eligible. And so when you look at the U.S. versus Mexico, Mexico has their A team. Uh, they might rotate players in this one, but that's their A team. Most of these guys, and it might sound like a hot take from the U.S. team, probably won't make the final Olympic squad if there are more players eligible. Not to mention players like Bobasek, Caden Clark, uh, Tanner Tessman, who hasn't played much, Anthony Fontana, Cade Cole. These guys are all attacking players. If you look at Jason Kreis's roster that he brought out here, I'm a little bit bothered by the fact that Within he's playing the same style that Greg Berhalter plays, right? He's trying to where the six drops back, splits the center backs, and they try to play out. The center backs have been really poor in playing out of the back, which I think is a little bit worrying. But the second thing is they're trying to play in the same system that U.S. soccer is trying to play, right? However, they didn't bring any real attacking might. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Dodson has been has been great, but wasn't great in the first game. Better in the second game, and you have all these players that you've left out of this roster for the sake of qualifying. And, and, and if you look at it, it felt conservative, right? From the players they put on the field to the nervousness that they had, they were playing. Um, and we all know that playing in tournaments or playing to qualify is very different than playing in a season and all these things you have to bring. And as I think Jason Christ said something about like, I'm putting the best 11 on the field that are going to help me to get the results for that game. For Mexico though, yeah, they're seeding, but I think the U.S. should beat uh, either of these teams. Honduras or Canada should beat them. Yeah, they have Tejan Buchanan, who's been good in the qualifying so far, and Honduras has been strong as well, but the U.S. should beat them regardless. So this is one where you ha now have an opportunity of whoever's going to be on the field to prove why they should be going to the actual Olympics, right? Um, Mihailovic is, is a player that I think has really stood out. Ferreira, who I don't think will play as his... Uh, Mihailovic, when he's on the, when he's on the, on the wing... When he's inside, he wasn't as effective. Uh, but on the wing, he was he was really good. And so Ferreira is another one that probably will be rested, but has actually shown flashes. But outside of that, uh, it feels very timid, and it, and it reminds me of old Olympic qualifying, right? Yeah, the the format has changed. There's not like a third team that goes into a playoff or anything like that. But it it feels like Jason Kreis has put out a very conservative team. 
that I think will still go on to qualify, but it's not a, it's not a show of confidence for the depth and quality of players that we have right now. Uh, but again, this is, I just want to say this, this is probably the fourth, third or C or D team that we're capable of fielding in terms of age eligible players. It just so happens that all of Mexico's best players are in Mexico still, even when they won the 2012 Olympics. It was just Gio Dos Santos that was playing abroad. The rest were all domestic. We have all these players abroad who aren't able or aren't capable or aren't uh, eligible to come to these games. So it's just a different looking squad. And I've had to make peace with us having to be a little more tactical in the way that we're trying to qualify. I just wanted to jump in and say that we have the Gold Cup this summer and that starts on July 10th and that runs through August 1st and the Olympics start on July 22nd and run through August 2nd. So, yeah, you say all this, but if I'm Greg Berhalter, am I going to bring a lesser team? I'm going to probably pull from my guys. Secondly, if you're, a, if you're a manager of Chelsea or whatever, are you going to allow your players to play both summer tournaments and somehow play the first half of the Gold Cup? And then, oh, by the way, he's going to go to the Olympics as well. I don't, I don't even know how that works. So Especially in a COVID year. So I don't know, Heath. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to call those big guys back, even though they play, you know, and play for our full team back for this Olympics. I just don't know if we're going to do that. So these are some of the players that I think we might see in Tokyo. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, this is all up. I, 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 I'm speculating because I really don't know how U.S. soccer is going to balance this. And this is not just isolated to the U.S. There's going to be a lot of countries that are going through the same kind of decision-making process. But yeah, to your point, ultimately, this is always a test. I fear for the team is the mentality. I thought in that first half, first 10, 15, 20 minutes against Costa Rica, we were giving away breakaways, our passing, we were so nervous. What are we nervous about? This generation wasn't part of us failing to qualify for the last two Olympics, but it's, it's something that's being talked about. And it's something that I think that's getting in our head and that we should do it. I think we struggle as a country when we are expected to do something. We're, we're the underdogs, baby, we're cruising, we're smoking cigarettes, we're having the best time, we can do whatever we want, we play free. But when we're expected to do something, we struggle. So if we play Honduras or Canada, those teams how have the upper hand because they're the ones that are the underdogs. They're the ones that can play free. And if we give up a mistake or mistakes like we did against Costa Rica, we will get absolutely punished. And we could then find ourselves, because we're playing conservatively, to your point, Heath, not qualifying for the Olympics again, which is crazy because we look back on paper at all the players we had for the previous Olympic qualifications. We had some very good players that should have beaten other teams, but we didn't because we got in our own way. There's a lot here to unpack, Luis. Yeah, no, well said. Uh, I will say this just as a neutral, right? As somebody that has no uh, emotional interest in either one. I think that I'm just going to echo what Jimmy just said here. Number one, the U.S. hasn't made the Olympics in the last two. Okay, so they should they should be entering this with uh, confidence. But I'll tell you that any other uh, part of the world, when you haven't made uh, a certain tournament, the last two, you go in there with the absolute hunger and desire to prove everybody wrong, not with the thinking that, you know what, we should be okay. We, let's say, I, I just feel like, you know, it, I'm going to include a little March Madness here, but Gonzaga yesterday was like, one of their players was like, look, like we go, I don't care what anybody thinks about us. We're going in this like we're 0-16. We're going in this like nobody that like we, nobody cares, nobody gives a bleep about us. We're going to go all out. And I feel that the USMNT and the 23 and the senior team need a combination of that. They need that hunger and sort of a reminder 
of like what's happened in the past, but at the same time, to Heath's point, understand the value of the squad and what they can do. I don't like the conservative play sometimes. It's kind of crazy. The fact that you're half, it's nil-nil against the Dominican Republic who hasn't been in this tournament. Like, that, it's not because of lack of talent. It's because of, to Jimmy's point, about lack of like, a sort of a, this feeling that maybe we can't do it and eventually it clicked. So it's going to be really intriguing to see what they do against Mexico. Um, he, if, you're, if you wanted to add anything, and then I'll bring it back to Jimmy after this before we continue, because I do have a bigger question, a sort of more existential question after that. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, yeah. The, the only thing I would say is that, again, I think this goes back to, this is not a shot at, at Jason Christ because you, you have to build a roster. No, and it's not a, the, rela- the relationship between... The leagues and the federations are, are really important when it comes to Olympics. That's why teams in Europe tend to struggle in the Olympics because those players are never getting released by those bigger clubs, right? Whereas we are now in that phase, the unfortunate phase that most of our best players who are actually Olympic eligible are abroad right now. We also didn't get uh, George Bellow for this, Paul McCall, uh, Anthony Robinson wasn't released. We have a number of players that when you add the three overage players, you, you, it's 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 even if you had them for this, it's still a team that feels very makeshift and conservative. We've left a lot of the attacking prowess that we've seen in, in Major League Soccer off of this roster. And again, I, I I totally understand that you're trying to qualify, and that is first and foremost. But we're also on on this larger mission, right, of 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 uh, U.S. Soccer of trying to rebuild this whole thing. And some of that comes with taking risks. That doesn't mean play wide open or whatever, but showing a little bit of courage in the team that you're going to put on the field and trust that they're going to deliver for you. And, and then to go to my, my, my first point again is these guys now have the opportunity against Mexico, a Mexico team where they have players who have scored five goals in this tournament who may be rested, but you also, you know, you've got, um, what's his name? The, the Mexican American guy, Santi Munoz, who's, who's, who's a huge hype right now in Mexico. Uh, Macias is, is being linked to big moves abroad. These are big players. This is their best team. And it is, it is their chance. Antuna, who was uh, with the galaxy. And then uh, now in Mexico, like you, you have, you now have uh, an opportunity to prove something after those first two games to leave it all behind, to show that, each game in qualifying, you are getting better and better. I think in the first two games, they showed longer stretches in the second half, but now is the time to put together a complete performance and show that they're capable of competing against Mexico's 99% best team outside of one or two guys that are abroad right now. Yeah. Jimmy, final point. Yeah, I would just say that uh, Jason Kreis has played all 17 field players that we have at our disposal for this tournament. And this is a good opportunity against Mexico to find out who you're going to rely on when that game matters in the semifinal. You've seen it. Dominican Republic, for me, whatever, dude. That, that, that's a game you should dominate. And those games are sometimes harder as a player because you know you're being judged. If you're not playing well against Dominican Republic, why in the hell would I ever trust you to play well against Mexico or whoever we need to beat in the semifinals to get to the Olympics? And then, and then whoever didn't play, you know, it's just all these things you have to figure out. Jason Christ made six changes from the Costa Rica game to the Dominican Republic one. I suspect we'll see, you know, three or four more, maybe to go back, try to find that perfect 11. And to his point, I hope it's not conservative either, especially against Mexico. Why not air it out? Try to figure out who can play under difficult circumstances. To, to, to your point about JJ Macias, that guy is absolutely dominating for Chivas Guadalajara. Where's the number nine shirt for Chivas? And he hasn't started either one of these games yet. They're playing a false nine. They got Vega, their number 10 playing there. And it's really interesting to see how Mexico's playing. So I'm curious to see what kind of challenge that provides, especially for our center backs who've been okay. I don't want to say they've been killing it, but even though we have two clean sheets, they, there's still some vulnerability there. So this is going to be a good test for us. And ultimately I see this Mexico game as a way to really define who our best 11 is in that game. We need to win either against Honduras or Canada. 
Yeah, I think that's it. And, and Uriel Antuna, by the way, and Alvarado. So good, so part, good. Partner up with Alexis Vegas. It's, it's a very good trio. All right. Luis, Luis one, one, one last final thought. Uh, Jimmy and I both played on qualifying campaigns that were always conservative. So we are the pot calling the kettle back <laughs> for trying to qualify we with the conservative. Charge, but though. we weren't as good as them and we weren't in charge. We were just following orders. Sorry, that's my, my, my closer there. We're cowards. No, no, that's fine. And by the way, I, I do want to end it with this, USMNT on the 23. We do want to give you some props. You are two or no. You have scored five goals. You haven't conceded a goal, right? You know, it, it's not like it's not like this is all doom and whatever. But yes, I think it's very worthy to understand the conservative aspect uh, coming from two players, uh, former players who hey, we uh, just care. We care, <laughs> Luis. We care. That's it. It comes yeah. from a place of, uh, deep down. We want, we love this team and we want to see it succeed and, and to play. A, I think what I think what gets us a little bit is we know what these players are t- are capable of, and we're not necessarily seeing them do that because of this theme of potential conservatism that's kind of seeping into their, you know, just because that's the instruction they're getting. And, and when you have a coach and I won't name any of them and Heath won't, I won't allow Heath to name any either, but you can sense when your coach has a little bit of fear, you can sense when your coach has a little bit of, ah, I think this other team's better than you. And, and, and then you also play for coaches who are like, ah, F that other team, man. Let's just go out there and play. And that, that swagger, that confidence that comes because your coach believes in you. And so those are those fine margins that could end up proving the, dis- the, 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 excuse me, the difference between who he starts, who he doesn't start, and, and how he's trying to get across this thing. Listen, I think Jason Christ is a good manager, but this, this, I just fear that conservatism, as, as Heath was saying. Yeah, no, I call it the reactive proactive syndrome. Some managers and some philosophies are reactive, others are proactive. And sometimes the US can be too reactive. It's time to be proactive. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break here when we come back. By the way, the Women's Champions League quarterfinals. So many good games. We're going to take a break. Diego Lasso, we'll be right back. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody. Gay Golasso with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. The Women's Champions League quarterfinals, the road to Gothenburg. Uh, some really great games here. Uh, I'll just give you a little rundown, then I'll ask the boys what they think. Bayern Munich against Rosengard from Sweden. PSG against Lyon, who are the defending champions, of course. Barcelona against Man City and Chelsea against Wolfsburg. The winner of uh, PSG and Lyon face Barcelona and Man City winner and the winner of Bayern Rosengard face the winner of Chelsea Wolfsburg. I don't even know. There's so many interesting stories here, including, by the way, USWNT internationals, as well as uh, stars that we know from NWSL, etc. Jimmy, anything sticking out to you from these games? I-, I have one in mind here that I'm looking at. What do you think? Yeah. 
Yeah, really quick. Uh, Barcelona has never beat English opposition, so that'll be fun. And Man City have never beaten Spanish opposition. So we got that going for us. Somebody's going to finally, you know, break their duck and, and break that curse. Uh, I like that reigning UEFA Women's Player of the Year, uh, Pernille Harder, joined Chelsea from Wolfsburg after last season's loss to uh, Lyon in the final. So for him, to, for her to play against her former team, uh, it's pretty sweet, especially with the stakes this high. Uh, PSG versus Lyon. PS, or excuse me, Lyon have won its five consecutive years and seven overall. But the last team to knock them out in the knockout rounds of a Champions League was PSG. So we'll see if they can do it again. And then Bayern Munich and Rosengard have been to the semifinals uh, once each in their uh, their thing. So there's a little kind of I don't know. I don't know who's going to go through, but I'm the biggest fan of Wendy Renard, the captain of Leo. I think she's an absolutely amazing player and she's one of my favorite defenders in the world. And anytime she has success, I'm here for it. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Just some, a few more stats on that. Uh, P, the, the PSG Lyon game, by the way, uh, Lyon, by the way, I feel like it's a very important uh, tournament for them right now because now you're seeing way more, uh, uh, you know, investment in the women's game. Sky Sports announcing how much they're going to, uh, support the uh, WSL over there, but also so the, Leon's dominance and infrastructure, I feel, you know, they need to look out because there's some teams that are now, because they're getting more money or whatever, hopefully there's going to be more infrastructure. Barcelona, Man City is the one I'm looking at. 10 consecutive wins for Man City. They've scored 32 goals, only conceded two. Barcelona, they've won every single league game. And to Jimmy's point, you know, they've never been in English opposition. They've never been in Spanish opposition. There's American talent here. Uh, there's Ellen White up top for Man City. I mean, it's just going to be a great game. But they're everywhere. Heath, what do you think? Uh, anything sticks out to you? Yeah, so Jim, I think Jimmy had said that uh, the last time that PSG had lost or had beaten Lyon was, um, I think it was like 2014 or something like that. But the last three times that these two teams have played against each other in the tournament, uh, Lyon has gone through. And... Yeah, it's, it just seems like right now PSG are top of the table, uh, the domestic table, uh, by like a point over over Lyon. And so it's it's one of those things where you're starting to see that gap tighten up, even domestically, right? Lyon have been, been literally on top uh, for a long time. Even sometimes PSG being better in the league, Lyon have been the, 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 the champions over and over again. They've, you know, when they've beat them in the domestic campaign, Lyon just find a way to get back on top, sort of like, um, I won't name any other comparisons, but um, <laughs> uh, another team in that league. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, the biggest concern for me uh, right now, and, and then I'll get into these, these four games, Luis, is, is like you talked about, the, the new TV rights deal I think is fantastic. The problem with the current Champions League setup is, again, that depth of, of parity, right? And, and if you look at some of these campaigns like uh, Barcelona won eight, two and nine, zero to get to this point, uh, city five, one, eight, zero. Like those are things that I'm like, well, Arsenal have Vivian Miedema, who, who is the top scorer basically in Europe all the time. And they don't make champions league, right. Because of the, the way the setup is. And that's a little bit bothersome because I think you could have a lot stronger matchups earlier before you get to these points. And look, you have eight of the best teams in Europe getting to the quarterfinals, but you know, uh, Sam Mewis on four goals right now, which I think is, is pretty great there. They've been running over teams, Gothenburg and Fiorentina five, one, eight nil. Uh, this game's in it played in Monza, Italy. I've never been to Monza, Italy. Sounds really nice uh, this time of year, but that's where the game is from a, from a neutral location. And then obviously uh, Chelsea are, are looking for that trophy. They, they picked up Pernille Harder after that final, as Jimmy mentioned, and then Sam Kerr and, uh, Fran Kirby are on a tear in the domestic league, scoring crazy. Fran Kirby is amazing. I love yeah. Fran Kirby. She's so good. So 
Sorry. Yeah. No. So this, you know, this is just one of those years that I think we could see uh, something different. Having said that, you know, Leon's probably going to go on to run run away with all this. But you're starting to see, as you mentioned, the, uh, in all serious, that 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 the, the the boat lifting all or the tide lifting all boats right now with more investment into the game. These super clubs investing more into the infrastructure of the women's game, and that's going to only raise. That's why a Sam Uis is still there. That's why you have some of these players that are going to these bigger clubs, and I think that's going to create more competition and and this feels like a year uh if ever uh that that a team um can can that's not leon can can win this and by the way jimmy um winnie renard uh your favorite player i after so i did this 71 day run uh into the women's world cup last year through the final and i'm sitting in the lounge just completely defeated by the tournament and winnie renard sitting next to me in the lounge and i worked up the courage to ask her, I believe it was her, her, her mother, uh, if she could take a picture of us. And she was annoyed because it was like you were in a lounge. You're not supposed to be. It's kind of yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and she did it. And it was really cool. And she smiled. And then I tagged her in it and she refused to respond. But either way, I felt like we were friends after that day. You so. were you like BFFs. Yeah. I'm yeah. jealous, to be honest with you. In that yeah. moment, you were. All right, well, let's play a fun game then. I want to see wh- who your picks are. Let's see here. All right. So, Jimmy, let's start with you. All right. Bayern Munich against Rosengard. Who's winning that? I'm going to say Bayern Munich is going to do the business. Uh, they have actually, this is, uh, this is Bayern's philosophy, no matter what. They've taken some of Rosengard's uh, best players over the last couple seasons. So I think Bayern Munich is going to use that against them, unfortunately. Keith? I'm going to go with Rosengard because Bayern took their players and Rosengard won <laughs> 17 nil on aggregate in one of their earlier, uh, earlier rounds. So I'm going oh with my uh, God. That's crazy. Plus, plus I got to rep the Scandinavian clubs once in a while. I, you know? I respect it. All right. All right. Okay. So PSG Leon, Jimmy, I'm going to go Leon. I mean, Wendy Renard for me is, is the boss. And, Katarina uh, Macario. <laughs> well, her, of course, too. I mean, I want to see her get some valuable minutes, especially in a meaningful comp- uh, competition, so she can continue to push to get even more minutes for the U.S. women's national team. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go against a, a team that's won five consecutive Champions League titles. Yeah, my God. Uh, Heath? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Lyon for, for similar reasons. And, you know, PSG, interestingly enough, didn't play their second leg of the last round because of uh, there was COVID tests. They won their first leg 5-0, and then they couldn't travel to, I think, Czech Republic because there was tests, and then they decided a 3-0 forfeit and let them go through, which feels a little bit unfair, but I get it. 5-0 is probably tough to come back from. But I still think that that Lyon has 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 PSG in their, in their back pocket, so I'm going with Lyon. All right. Okay, so we got Bayern. We got uh, Lyon. All right, Barcelona, Man City, Jimmy Conrad. Wow, I feel like these two uh, women's clubs are, are mirroring their men's clubs uh, with their dominance uh, this season. And I'm going to go with Man City. I'm going to go with Sam Mewis scoring the, the game winner. And I think this one is going to be probably my favorite one to watch. I know there's a lot of history between PSG and Lyon and, and obviously their domestic rivalry as well. But there's just something about this Barcelona Man City one that sounds very enticing. Yeah, Heath? I'm going to go with uh, Barcelona in this one, just so Jimmy and I have, uh, you know, a reason to sit at opposite sides <laughs> of the table. Uh, I, I think Jennifer Hermoso is going to score uh, the winner. Right. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, take down uh, Man City, though. Man City's so oh. good. Like, and I just can't separate Man City from, like, winning things right now just in general. So I'm going – but I'm going with Barcelona. I, I'm refusing to talk myself out of this. Okay. <laughs> Listen, whenever you put Rose Lavelle on the bench, that's a team that's going to win. I mean, the fact that she doesn't even start is crazy. I'm going with Man City on that one. All right, uh, Jimmy, Chelsea, Wolfsburg. So Chelsea have been knocked out of three out of the last four Champions Leagues by Wolfsburg. However, as I mentioned before, and as Heath said as well, they took uh, Wolfsburg's best player, Chelsea. 
to try to eliminate, to, to, to change that trend. That said, a trend is a trend, and I think I'm going to stick with the trend. I think Wolfsburg, very similar. Even though PSG might be playing better this season, there's just some, some teams just have your number, and I think Wolfsburg has Chelsea's number no matter who they have on their team. So I'm going to go with Wolfsburg. Oh, wow. Okay, Heath? I wanted to go feel with Wolfsburg, like, too. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going Chelsea. I refuse to go with Wolfsburg. I'm going with Chelsea, uh, and and because, again, as I mentioned before, they're, they're scoring plenty of goals in the domestic campaign. Perneal Harder. Um the Dane switching over. I feel like it's got this makings of some sort of, you know, we've got this like uh, real um, Ma- March madness theme going on right now there, there's an upset written, written on in, in this match. And, and uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Chelsea on this one. I feel that for that same exact reason that you just gave Wolfsburg's going to win because it's going to give them that adrenaline to like beat their uh, former star. But I'm such a Frank Kirby fan. I, I got to go with Ch- Chelsea, I think, uh, but there you go. That's our women's champions league quarterfinals first leg, by the way. Uh, so make sure that you tune in. All right, that's it. That's the end of our show. But before we go, any final word from both of you? Because, you know, we, we like to cover as much as we can, but there's so much. So, Jimmy, anything else that we may have missed? Well, to switch back over to the men's side, I'm very curious to see if Cristiano Ronaldo, who is eight goals short of having the most goals scored for a country um, behind Iran's Ali Dai, he uh, is playing Azerbaijan. Serbia and Luxembourg. I don't know if he can score eight goals against those three over 10 days. I don't know if he'll even start all of those, but Azerbaijan and Luxembourg, I could see him putting up a couple hat tricks against those potentially. I mean, Portugal are stacked, but if he doesn't do it now, he's going to do it eventually. And if he did it during the Euros, I think that would be pretty special and a real testament to just how well he's uh, taking care of himself over the years. Yeah. Uh, and they play Portugal faces uh, Azerbaijan 345 Eastern. Uh, there's some UEFA, uh, as Jimmy mentioned, World Cup qualifiers, Turkey, Netherlands, France, Ukraine. Heath, anything from you, uh, from anything, you can go with World Cup qualifiers or anywhere you want. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna save uh, it for t- my question for tomorrow. But once you guys start thinking about it, what do you think of the triple fixture dates uh, that, that are that are coming? Okay, don't answer now. This is for tomorrow. Let it simmer. Our fans can also think about it. Um, but th- for me, is is uh, just more of a, a news and information thing of Belize going to Haiti. I don't know if you guys saw that. Where on their way to their hotel, they were like literally stopped by armed militia or something and fortunately were able to get to the hotel and negotiate their way to the hotel and and be safe in haiti so um yeah i think you know just just something worth 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 seeing i'm not sure there's still stuff emerging about what had happened but yeah basically the belize national team arrived for a qualifier in haiti they got on the bus they had their sort of entourage of of armed guards those armed guards were stopped by armed other people and there was a a a little bit of a some tension and some serious fear uh, which you don't want to see uh, around these these qualifiers, but fortunately everybody was safe. There was no uh, no incidents, um, and so yeah, that's just one of the things that I wanted to, to mention. Yeah, well, not uh, everybody's safety, obviously the most important thing. Uh, just two things from me. Uh, it's always a sad international break when there's no South American World Cup qualifiers, but obviously due to COVID, that is understood. But here's one for you guys. Uh, Eric Maxim Chupamoting. You remember, obviously, what he's done with Bayern so far, played for PSG as well, so he'll be facing his former club. But Cameroon weren't able to call him up to face Cape Verde and Rwanda because in the process of trying to send the emails for call-ups, they sent it to themselves. <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of sending it to Chupamoting's people, uh, Cameroon's FA sent it to themselves. So Chupamoting never got the call up. So now Chupamoting is not able to play in this break because of an email mess up. Yeah, but 
he obviously just wanted to chill then, right? At a certain point, don't you go like, never got it. Hey, chilling. Yeah, but you know the games are coming. You go like, well, I'm not going to ask. You know, like I kind of wouldn't mind a couple, couple like a weekend off. He should have sent the Leo Messi bureau fax. Maybe that would have got there instead, you know? <laughs> that is crazy, though. That, that is crazy and something that Peru would definitely do. Um, <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much, brother. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Heath. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We are on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Gegolasso. Please follow us on Twitter, Gegolasso Pod, and send us questions about anything about the beautiful game. We're here every weekday. Have a great, great rest of your week. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.